Blog Talk Radio. Lovers and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett and I'm delighted that you're starting your morning here with us. Some of you may remember that we've had guests from the Company of Animals on our program in the past. Well, today I've invited Kimberly Ring to the program to talk about a product that the company offers that relieves anxiety. And no, it's not for you. It's for pets who tend to get stressed out easily. It's a pretty fascinating product, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more details. Then, after our halftime break, our Pet Place producer, Mike Johnson, has a pretty stinky subject he wants to talk about, so don't touch that dial because a very intriguing program is coming right up after a quick message from KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I expected that we'd be speaking with Kimberly Ring from the Company of Animals, but she has had a little emergency. So in her place, we're going to play for you, for your enjoyment, a special episode of Book Reviews with Marianne Dell that aired a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Here we go. You have a book that title, whose title just really got me. It's called Find Momo, and that's interesting to me because my kitty's name is Momo. Yeah. <laughs> it means peaches in Japanese. Oh, well, this <laughs> Momo's not a kitty. This is a border collie. Ah, okay. <laughs> and he belongs to Andrew Knapp, and they live in Canada. Knapp is a photographer, and he says that Momo loves to hide. It's a game they play. He hides, and Dad finds him. Okay. Which is a great game. It's a variant on some of the scent detection games I play with my dogs. But, hey, it's fun. (laughs) And it's relationship building, and that's what's all important. Well, this is basically finding Waldo for the dog set. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of where's Waldo, it's find Momo. Okay. There are many photos in the book, and Momo, surprisingly, you wouldn't think it would be that difficult to find a dog in a photo, but it surprisingly is. He tucks himself behind walls or structures, and because of his black and white coloring, sometimes he melds so well into the background that it's quite difficult to find him. Wow. So these are actual photographs and not illustrations. Correct. They are photos with the dog in them. Okay. And... um, Knapp is a lovely photographer. They they journeyed all over uh, parts of the northern U.S. and Canada, and he tells little stories about some of the places they were and some of the people they visited. And, I mean, Momo's everywhere. He's behind rocks. He's on roofs. In one <laughs> photo, he's on the roof of a garage. Oh, no, that's a little scary. Uh, no, it's a flat roof. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I think it's fine. Okay. And... Um, 
behind bushes, you know. Uh, I don't want to give away too much where he is because it's really fun. It's, Did you have any trouble finding him in any of the pictures? Yeah, there were a couple I had to give up and go to the photos in the back of the book where oh, it shows where he is. cheated. <laughs> I cheated, but only once or twice. <laughs> Oh, that sounds like lots of fun. So it's a, it's a good children's book, but adults can enjoy it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think everybody can. It might be a little too difficult for very, very young children, but okay. kids who are just starting to appreciate books and who are you know, quite, quite visual, and they've started to have some cognitive development, I think absolutely would enjoy the heck out of this. Uh, that is very cool. And where can you find Find Momo. Uh, it's by Cork Books, so on their website. Uh, also, I believe, on Amazon. Okay. So, you know, all these books you can find on Amazon. Oh, excellent. For, for the and most part. So. How, how much does this one go for? This one is fourteen ninety five. Oh, uh It's um, like a trade paperback size. Okay, excellent. Yeah. So perfect yep. little gift size. Yes, absolutely. And perfect gift price. Yes. <laughs> Now, your next title is called The Power of Pause. I like that. Tell us yeah. a little about it. Well, this is the, the subtitle tells it all, Reflections on a Life with Dogs. And uh, the man who wrote this is Gary Schiebler. And he's done a lot of uh, songwriting for some country stars. Oh. And uh, he's a really good writer. And, you know, this is probably the seventh or eighth book about my life with dogs that I've read by people. And... um like some of them, this one goes through stories about many different dogs and their impression on his life. And he starts with Rusty, the collie shepherd who his family found when he was a boy mm-hmm. and who stayed with the family until Gary went away from college and then decided his work was done Aww. and he moved on. Uh-huh. He talks about a lot of the dogs he encountered at the Helen Woodward Center down in San Diego County because he worked there for a while as a humane educator. Oh, nice. And uh, he tells a story which I just love. When I used to work in a shelter, I always used to want to do this, but no one would let me do it. He would bring kids in, and he would lead them into the back when it was playtime for the dogs and the kennels were empty, and he would blindfold them, and he would put them in a kennel and shut the door, and the kennels were such that the walls were concrete, so all they could see was the kid who was straight across from them. Uh-huh. And he'd say, now take out your blind, take off your blindfolds. How does this feel? Wow. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah, wouldn't you? I could see why the shelters that you worked for would say, nope, nope, we're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but they weren't what too, an weren't educational too tool, yeah. But it's such a great lesson. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. How would you like to be stuck here in this situation with, with wouldn't you want to rush to the edge of the cage and get the attention of someone who was walking by? Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it really is. It's really powerful, powerful educational tool. I'll let you on to something, Marianne. I, I actually wanted to do that to a number of adults who used to drop off their pets at the animal shelter where I worked. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Only f- only those we put in the little wire cages. <laughs> the smaller ones where, where they can't turn around. <laughs> can't stand up, can't turn yep. around. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, but well, it's, this is a very, he's a, he writes with a great deal of compassion. And even when he's telling some sad stories about some animals that didn't make it, um, there's education there and there's a lesson. Okay. And, um, you know, he writes about one dog, Frazier, who didn't make it. And, and the whole thing is people let him down. 
from the get-go. You know? Yeah. Here's the dog, and I always think of my dog Fly when I when I read stories like this because Fly was such a tough little nine-week-old puppy when I got him. He didn't want to have anything to do with anyone, and he was a resource guarder, and he wanted to bite everybody and keep him out of his face and his space. And if he hadn't landed with someone who worked with him to help him understand that really life really didn't have to be that big of a struggle, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure he wouldn't have made it. Yeah, wow. You know, and, and it's just it's just too bad because I wish people, and this book points to this, would do a little more education sometimes before they take on pets. That is the key, isn't it? It really is. Wow. Is this book, would you say, more for adults? Or yes. can high schoolers get a lot out of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where do you think the cutoff is? I would say no younger than high school age. Okay. Um, I think high school age kids could get something out of this, and certainly adults Okay. Uh, would. So it's a little bit intense for the younger readers. I yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's not a small children's book. There's there's too much too many unfortunate realities in it. And hopefully you know. it'll make a difference so those unfortunate realities will be a thing of the past. We certainly hope so. Wow. I like it when there's books like this, even though they're hard to read and hard to take sometimes. I think the educational value is, is just phenomenal. So I'm glad people are writing it. Yeah, and especially when it's people who've been there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Well, let's yep. talk about your next book now, The <laughs> Seasons of Cherokee's Life. <laughs> this is just a sweet little book uh, written by a woman who actually does communications for a healthcare company. Um, and it starts on the last night of this little Shih Tzu's life. And he just talks about his life with his person mm-hmm. who, yes, got him at a pet store, but we'll forgive that um, <laughs> because the life they share together clearly is one of love and connection and okay. relationship. And he lives a very, very good life. He helps her to get through some very tough times when her husband dies and she doesn't know what she can do. And he's the constant in her life that's always there. Um and it, it's just a nice story about how really a relationship with an animal should be. Aww. You know, and, and he's at a vet's office hooked up to an IV when the story starts, but his people, in hopes that maybe something can be done, and when everyone realizes it can't, his people come in and they're with him at the end as he moves on. And wow. it's, it's, you know, again, probably certainly high school age kids, even junior high kids could read this one. Um, even adults, it, you know, I just put it out there as a story of, see, this is really what we all should aspire to. Absolutely. Whether our lives are good or bad or whatever, we bring these animals into them with us, let them join us on the journey, no matter what it involves. Oh, well, you know, now that you've gotten me uh, all teary-eyed, <laughs> thanks for that, Marianne. Anytime, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so again, this is probably something we can find on Amazon yeah. or local bookstores, yeah. and, yep. or and it's ten ninety five. Ten ninety five. Yes. Okay, and it yep. sounds like a a really sweet story, except for the very beginning and the very end. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Marianne, I'm so glad you were able to make some time for us this morning, and thanks for yeah. everything that you do for that for us here at the Pet Place for all our listeners, and have a great day, Marianne. All right, you too, Marie.
back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and I'm happy to share the mic with Mike, our Pet Place producer, who's always here. It's actually Mike Johnson. Good morning, Marie. Hi. (laughs) I'm glad that uh, you're able to actually be on the show instead of... uh, Make sure the show sounds perfect, which is what you do. Thank you very much. You know, it's my pleasure to to be here with you as always on a Saturday morning. And you have your own little doggy child at home. We do. We have Amber at home. Amber Good Dog on Facebook. If you want to follow Amber on Facebook, she'll follow you back. <laughs> Amber Good Dog on Facebook. Okay, she's a Jack Russell Terrier. She is a Jack Russell Terrier, and okay. and she she is often. Uh, running around the house, and uh, she's she's nine years old now. So I, what, what is the actually? I don't even know what is what is the life expectancy for a Jack Russell Terrier. Well, you know they're little dogs, mm-hmm. so I'd say about fifteen years. Yeah, but, she's maybe slow- longer. She's slowing down a little bit, okay. and I, I can see that. But but she still has what I would call her bursts of energy <laughs> when then she runs around the house and well, ca- causes general havoc. She's a terrier. Yes, yes, she is. Yes, she is. <laughs> that name for nothing. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Designed to chase little animals down holes and, <laughs> and get into all kinds of trouble. Well, she's Amber, though. We love her so much. Uh, I've heard that you've had some skunks recently visiting your yeah, house. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I live uh, sort of where the 91 meets the 55 in Orange County, and uh, there was a, uh, a couple of nights ago, there was a skunk who decided to show up on in our backyard, and we've had that before, and that's no big deal. It, it generally wanders through the backyard and goes on its way. However, this time, uh, the skunk made its way to our front yard Ooh. and decided to make these little holes about the size of, I guess, about a golf ball uh-huh. uh, in the front yard. Yeah. And, and of course, it's, it's the sort of thing where, you know, we don't want the skunk tearing up the, the lawn, but mm-hmm. we also don't want to harm any of the other critters nearby. So how do I get rid of them? That is a very good question, mm-hmm. and, and this time of year you're going to find a lot of skunks, and I'm actually surprised that Amber hasn't tangled with any and uh, yeah. brought that lovely aroma thank, into your house. Thank goodness she hasn't. Or, yeah. or worse, brought an entire skunk oh, into your geez. house. Oh, no. <laughs> Say, hey, look, Dad. Look what I found. Yeah, I know. Doesn't it smell good? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no she has not done that. But oh, but but okay. obviously, you know, I'm, I'm guessing I'm not the only person this has happened to. No, no, no. Skunks are everywhere. A lot of people... People think that being in the city, there are no wild animals, and that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, there are so many urban wild animals that I think a lot of people would be really surprised. Of course, we have lots of birds. All you have to do is look around. You see hawks and turkey vultures. and Owls even once in a while. Oh, I saw a beautiful owl on my own street in Fountain Valley just uh, last week. Really? They're silent flyers, and Mm -hmm. it just flew right over my head, and I just felt wind, and all of a sudden I saw whoosh, it, it flew up into a tree, and it was wow. huge and beautiful, and I just felt so lucky. Wow. <laughs> now, I know somebody had suggested that the way to uh, rid ourselves of the skunks in the front yard was to get, and this is not my idea, cayenne pepper, and uh, either mix it with water or spread it around the perimeter of the lawn, that sort of thing. Is this a good idea? That's actually a very good idea. Okay. Any kind of non-toxic... Uh, substance that you could spray on the yard is going to work wonders. What they're looking for are the little grub worms Mm -hmm. that are in the soil and earthworms and things like that. And and they just have to dig these little 
quarter-sized holes, yeah. and, and they make a lovely putting green that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just zigzag all over to all the different holes there. But, of course, you don't want that to happen. So cayenne is, is really a great, great uh, recommendation. Now, could, could they, could the, the cayenne pepper actually harm any of the other animals that might uh, come in contact with the lawn? You know, it's going to make them turn away. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they really get into it, it might cause a little nasal and eye inflammation, mm-hmm. but that's not likely to happen because their sense of smell, believe it or not, you know, considering how stinky they are, yeah. is is very, very uh, refined. So they'll be able to smell the cayenne from a distance, and, and they'll know, ah, this lawn is no good for me. But as far as other dogs, though, because no, we, no. we live in a neighborhood where there are many folks who walk their dogs every night. Dog sense of smell is about a thousand times greater than a human sense of smell. So mm. they're going to sense that there's cayenne pepper there also, and they're going to want nothing to do with it. So so it's fine, yeah. And, and okay. you can you can make sure that you only spray it on the center portion of your grass so you don't get around the edges or anything okay. like that if you're truly concerned. But but really, it, it would be a very unlikely event for a dog to want to just get its nose right into the cayenne pepper. You, you know, and speaking completely off subject here, of, of the folks in the neighborhood who walk the dog, mm-hmm. they walk their dogs, I, I never failed to su- be surprised by a couple of things. I there's there's a there's a couple who are very nice people who live up the street from me who don't have their dog on a leash. Ooh. They literally just as they go out for the walk in the evening with their dog, the dog mm-hmm. is running freely, fifteen to twenty feet ahead of them, That's and, and it's, it, it's just very. I think it's dangerous, isn't it? It's completely dangerous, mm-hmm. and here's why. In addition to them tangling with the skunk. Which is a problem because skunks, as you know, could potentially carry rabies. Right. Um, They're going to get this horrible, horrible smell all over the dog's coat and everything else. But there are so many other wild animals that I I mentioned that a little earlier. Right. In your neck of the woods especially, there are plenty of coyotes. Mm -hmm. And how big is this dog that they're walking? Oh, it's a beagle. Okay, so it's it's definitely small enough mm-hmm. where a good sized coyote might consider it for dinner, right? And not as a dinner guest. Yeah, either. man. <laughs> and they're not going to be able to do anything about it if the dog's ten, twenty, thirty feet ahead of them. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate that people do that. Not only that, but even in residential communities, there are cars on the street. Sure. And if their little beagle sees a cat or any other animal or any attraction on the right. other side of the street, right. right at the moment that a car is driving by, he's going to get nailed if he crosses. Scary. It's very scary. And I, and I see this, and these are folks who, who I like, and I won't identify them, of course, on the radio. Um, and I just think that's that's just dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Back in my animal control days, I used to give tickets to people who did that. Really? Only if they absolutely would tell me that their dog didn't need a leash or anything like that. If if they said, oh, I didn't think about those things and they got their dog on a leash, I'd just give them a warning. Mm-hmm. But, but if they just gave me a real hard time and said, well, we're going to keep walking them off leash anyway, even if we get a ticket, then, you know, they would get a ticket. <laughs> you know, and summertime is, is coming up. Uh, here we are in May already. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that you've mentioned before on the show is the idea of a dog beach. Are there many dog beaches in Southern California? There are not many, so you have to be real careful. In fact, a lot of beaches don't allow dogs, 
period, mm-hmm. even if they're on a leash. Right. And you might be able to walk them on the bike path, but mm-hmm. of course that's kind of dangerous with all the bikes going back and forth and everything, so I wouldn't recommend that. Mm-hmm. But we do have a lovely dog beach here in Huntington Beach. Uh, we have an, a beautiful dog beach called Rosie's Beach in Long Beach. Okay. Um, so there are definitely some very, very nice dog beaches that are close by. Just make sure you do a little research. Don't assume that just because you know of a place where people let their dogs off leash right. that it's legal to do that. Right. Make sure it is an officially recognized off-leash location. You know, I've never taken Amber to a, to a beach before. And, you know, she has limited interaction with other dogs uh, when we go to the vet or in the neighborhood or that sort of thing. You know, is is should, there, should I be cautious about bringing Amber to a place where she's never been to begin with, let alone being around, you know, a whole lot of uh, strange dogs to her? Well, that's a, that's a real good question. A lot of people are very uncomfortable taking their dogs to an off-leash location. Sure. Because, unfortunately, there are quite a few irresponsible people who take aggressive dogs mm-hmm. or poorly be- behaved dogs to yeah. locations like yeah. that. And you might have a dog that that is just very sweet and nice and wouldn't hurt anybody, and then all of a sudden it's in a fight because somebody else brought their 90-pound dog that wants to challenge everybody and everything, and, and next thing you know, you're in the vet hospital with $5,000 vet bills. At a place like a dog beach, are there... Are there Secure, is there security sort of on duty to make no, sure things... Oh, boy. No. So you're kind of on your own to a degree. Yeah. Wow. Generally, when I take my own dogs to the dog beach in Huntington Beach, mm-hmm. I go very early in the morning mm-hmm. or uh, on the evening, on weekdays. I never go on weekends. Too, this, too, cra- too crowded? Too yeah. busy? And in the summertime, too, with it, it just tends to get... Just too overcrowded. I have a Labradoodle named Willa who's okay. as sweet as can be, and she loves going to the off-leash parks and, and the beaches. But if there are too many other dogs, it overwhelms her. And it's, it's sensory overload, the same right. way it would, would be for anybody who might be dropped out of the sky into a football stadium where there are 100,000 people. Exactly. Yeah. So she kind of shuts down, and she stops enjoying it when... Twelve dogs are suddenly circling around her, sniffing and and pawing at her and and wanting to play. And she's a little bit on the shy side, and and she just looks at me like, take me home. (laughs) (laughs) So it depends on your dog. If you've got a dog that's happy-go-lucky, fine around other dogs, then by all means, go for it. But just pay attention to your surroundings. And if you see anything that doesn't look right, trust your feelings. Get your dog and leave. It's not worth the injuries or the unpleasantness. Marie, thank you for letting me be on your show today. Well, Mike, I'm glad that you brought up these issues. I, you know, I always see you over on the other side of the window, turning all the buttons, paying attention to my guests. So it's fun to actually talk with you on the program. <laughs> Thanks, Marie. We need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. I've got a great event for everyone that's happening today. It's the annual Koi Growing Contest. 
Andy's famous annual koi growing contest is held at Andrew's Koi every year on the first Saturday in the month of May. There are over 1,500 selected one-year-old koi available for purchase. They're about $100 each. The koi will vary in size from 5 inches to 12 inches. Customers select a fish, take them home, do their magic, and next year bring them back to compete with all the other koi lovers. Koi hobbyists can learn from this event in the following ways. How to choose the koi, what to feed them, how to feed them, and when to feed them. Next year, you'll see all the other contestants bring back koi over 20 inches long with deep red colors and white accents. And your koi may be the winner. Andy admits he learns from the Koi Growth Contest every year, and you will too. If you've ever thought you'd like to try raising koi, this is the perfect opportunity. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. You can also visit us on Facebook. Just add slash Pet Place Radio, all one word, after Facebook.com. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.